0: This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay with us. Coming up here in just a moment, Congressman Kelly Armstrong. We had our live stream town hall earlier today. Going to get a chance to hear from him. Also, Minnesota Governor Tim Walz did a press conference earlier today getting rid of some of the COVID restrictions and really pushing the vaccine. He wants to see Minnesota get to a 70% vaccination rate by July 1st for people 16 and older. We're gonna dive into some of that uh, right now and then bring in Congressman Kelly Armstrong. I wanna share this with you first, though, before we get to that, this is fascinating to me. He put this chart of Minnesota Governor Tim Walz earlier today, and you can see here, the deeper the purple, the more likely you are to wanna get the COVID-19 vaccine. Now look at North Dakota versus Minnesota. (laughs) And then look at Minnesota via California. Why the high propensity, the high probability for Minnesotans to want the vaccine versus North Dakotans or other places here across the country? Would love to know your point of view on that. I mean, Minnesota is deep purple and it's not because of the Vikings. Okay, so fascinating graphic there. Please share your point of view with us on that. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, Minnesota Governor Tim Walls wants to get to a 70 percent vaccination rate for people 16 and older. Here's the thing we keep hearing about, right? If you have the vaccine, and Governor Wallace even said this today, if you've been vaccinated, you're doing that for a reason to protect yourself from getting COVID. So if I have not been vaccinated, but you have, you should be fine because you got the vaccine, correct? I bring this up because the other thing that people have a lot of conversation about right now is if you've already had COVID, you survived it, okay, and you've got the COVID antibodies, should you still get vaccinated or not? Earlier today, Minnesota Governor Tim Walz did a, a conference call for reporters in greater Minnesota, unfortunately, uh, I was not able to ask the question because that's what I wanted to find out. If I've had COVID and I've got the antibodies, should I still get vaccinated? I don't have that answer from someone uh, within the Minnesota administration, but I do want to show some with you because Governor Walls shared this data in his press conference earlier today. And you can see here he's looking to get to a little over three million Minnesotans to get vaccinated by July 1st. They're already at 2,600. 2 million, I should say, 614,000. Now, I share this with you, and that that number there, that scribble that I did, the 584,000, that's how many people have already had COVID in Minnesota. So if you take the 2.6 plus the 580,000, that puts you above the 3 million mark that Governor Tom Walz is looking for there. My point is, is there an argument? Could you make an argument to say, hey, because this many people have already had COVID, they've probably got the COVID antibodies. You've already vaccinated 2.6 million people. Could he reopen Minnesota now rather than waiting till July 1st? Would love to know your point of view on that. If you understand the COVID antibodies, should you get vaccinated? They've already hit that tipping point number of the 70 percent. Could he do more to lower the restrictions today in Minnesota rather than waiting July 1st all right let's hear a little bit from Governor Tim Walls what he said earlier today about some of the changes that are going to be coming Uh, as he gets rid of some of these restrictions. No capacity or distancing outside at outdoor events, no mask requirements for outdoor venues smaller than 500, meaning if you're at a large stadium like the Twins game or the Saints game or at a music festival, you'll still be wearing masks till we hit that 70% or till July 1st. Indoor events, we've increased the occupancy on some of our larger events and then increased group sizes. Um, Also on social gatherings, no limit outside. Indoors, we've increased that to 50, and again, this is following the science, following the transmission, but I want to be clear, and Commissioner Malcolm will say this, anytime you make a move, you increase the risk. The question that's always been around is, how do we mitigate the risk to the best of our ability and what's an acceptable risk of people doing it? Minnesotans have done this, as well as any state. You've taken it upon yourself to make sure you're not putting others at risk. So follow the science, follow the science, follow the science. Those are some of the changes that are going to be taking place in Minnesota starting tomorrow. And then you've got more that are obviously coming. And I showed you what he wants to do there by July 1st. Please share your point of view with me. First, why do Minnesotans have such a high probability or propensity to want to get the COVID-19 vaccine versus other states, as you saw there? Secondly, could Minnesota Governor Tim Walz be doing more to reopen the state Based on the number of the people that are already vaccinated, plus the people who have already had COVID, please share your point of view with us. All right. As I mentioned at the top of the show earlier today, I had an outstanding conversation with Congressman Kelly Armstrong. It was our live stream town hall. If you want to see it in its entirety, please go to our Facebook page. It's Facebook.com forward slash POV. Now, here's some of that conversation from earlier today. Congressman Armstrong, it's always great to see you. Yeah, it's great to be here. So there's a lot of news that we're going to be talking about, but you and I've had this conversation before. That's why I want to start here, because I think you could make an argument that it cost President Trump the election. And I'm talking about uh, social media and really tech tyranny. So, uh, as you know, Facebook, I think it was yesterday, time is going so fast, but they still banned the president, former president of the United States from their platform. Now, President Trump put out a statement and said this, these corrupt social media companies must pay a political price. I've asked you this before. What are you what is the GOP going to finally do to make these social media companies pay for what they're doing?
1: Well, I think, you know, Ken Buck is the ranking member on the antitrust subcommittee. And I served on that committee last Congress. And I think if you asked him, he'd say the conversation has to be about starting to talk about whether we're going to break them up or not. Um, I think, you know, and I actually retweeted this. It's fascinating on social media to some degree or another. I retweeted this from a very uh, liberal New York Times columnist. Uh, The fact that we're talking about an internal decision from a company like it's a Supreme Court decision should tell you all you need to know about the amount of power these companies have. And uh, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say in the history of the United States, we've never had... Three companies more powerful than Google, Facebook, and Amazon. So we also have to remember we're dealing not just as Republicans and Democrats, but it has to be something if we're serious about it to move through both chambers and both parties.
0: So let me frame it this way, because I think you can make a strong argument that because Twitter denied the New York Post to put the story out about Biden, there's polling that shows that if they would have had that story out, uh, they would have voted differently, potentially giving President Trump the opportunity to win the election. My point is that you're saying, "Hey, it's time to think about it and start this, Chris." If you guys don't get on it, they're going to continue. I think we can agree. Facebook, Twitter, all these people—they're going to favor Democrats and liberals. Yes.
1: Oh, oh absolutely. But I also think. Well, but wait a second, though, because this is important. You, I mean, Twitter's not very big. Like, I mean, if you're talking about companies in power and how this works, like even when we originally started with this, we I mean, Twitter is has a whole different set of issues and all of that. If we're going to regulate that, I get very concerned about how we regulate that stuff, because who police is the policers. Like, I mean, Twi- if you look at Twitter compared to Amazon, Facebook or Google, they just simply don't fall into the same categories that cause me the number one part caused me my number one concern.
0: What do you mean your number one concern?
1: with how big i mean essentially you have to go at where they make their money and you can google and facebook's advertising right and how and that that doesn't just affect everybody else that affects local media that affects newspapers that affects all of that and their ad dominance is why they're allowed to get away with that
0: but so my point is you guys are saying hey chris maybe we start thinking about this If y'all don't start doing something soon, you may never win a majority in the House or the Senate or the presidency again. And then you know the Democrats are going to go, okay, Facebook, go ahead. Okay, Twitter, go ahead. And it's going to be a moot point. So I guess, what, what are you waiting for? What can you do today to make an impact? Well, I
1: think the reason the reason you
0: do it now is because both sides actually have serious
1: concerns about these companies. We're in the minority in the House. We're at a 50-50 tie in the Senate. And there's, I mean, the, the, the answer is outside of the regulatory agency, anything we're doing, if we don't have bipartisan buy-in, we're not gonna get done. And there is a real bipartisan buy-in to bring these companies into check. We don't always agree on what the problems are with the companies, obviously. Uh, in fact, I think a lot of times My Democratic colleagues want more censorship, not less. But we all have—that's where we have to come together and recognize, regardless of what your complaints about these companies are, what are they, and how do we how do we deal with it moving forward? Because the single biggest way to solve this is create create ecosystems where other. Other companies can compete
0: with these companies. So there was a Senate uh, Judiciary Subcommittee hearing regarding the algorithms, because you and I both know the algorithms make it so that I can just sit in my own little echo chamber. I can only see news I want to see that makes me feel good. Is that a place where you see an opportunity to maybe make an impact and a difference to stop the division in the country and maybe impact –
1: i personally i in my office and I, I don't know how many other people were digging into that there's actually so and the, what we're talking about is algorithms but the natural conclusion to that is micro targeting right yes uh, it doesn't matter if it's political doesn't matter if it's shopping doesn't matter what it is uh there's denmark has actually gotten rid of micro targeting across the uh, universe so we are absolutely looking into some of those and whether there are some legislation some ways to look at that, and whether and it like I said, it doesn't matter if it's how you're getting your news, how it's getting your information, how it's getting your shopping. I, I think there's real reasons, and I think that's the other part where we will get some serious buy-in. It is scary how much information these people carry about you, whether you're whether your phone's in airplane mode, turned off or not. How much of your daily life is just completely cataloged and taken by these companies?
0: Absolutely shocking. If you've got questions for Congressman Armstrong, please just post them in the comments and we will get to those uh, for him. I want to talk about a lawsuit where it looks like the federal government is uh, not giving loan forgiveness to white farmers. Before we get to that, though, obviously, there's the big conversation about the GOP conference chair, Liz Cheney. Now there's I think it's Elise Stefanik, who's also up for that possible position are you going to vote for uh, Representative Cheney or Representative Stefanik
1: well it'll be two votes and no I won't support uh Representative Cheney at this point uh and I'll tell you we've had two of these right well so first of all and uh we dealt with the first one and I will tell you what I said to a colleague of mine Uh, During the first vote, as this was all going down, I said, "If you're campaigning in 18 months on who the Republican conference chair is, you're not (laughs) doing it well." And now I'll tell you the flip side of that coin: If you are the conference chair of the Republican conference, and every member of your conference has to go home and answer questions about the member of who the conference chair is, you're not doing that job well either. And I just want to be clear, there's never been anyone that's required any kind of loyalty test for Representative Cheney or anyone else to wake up every morning and just say really great things about Donald Trump. But there's absolutely no reason that we I mean to continue to give him the middle finger every day and create problems for not just her, but members in tough districts, members in red districts, members in swing districts. The conference chair is supposed to help us win elections. And if anybody's seen what's gone on in the last... Hundred and some plus days of the Biden administration becomes pretty important for North Dakota.
0: There was a piece, I think, in The Wall Street Journal where when you're talking about, hey, I'm not going to vote for Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney's office basically saying, look, this is about whether the Republican Party is going to perpetuate lies about the 2020 election and attempt to whitewash what happened on January 6th. Liz is not going to do that. That's the issue. So if Liz is telling the truth about January 6th, why not vote for her?
1: So first of all, any member of Congress, we are the Democrats. We don't require you to be in lockstep at every single step of the way. But you have a majority of the conference and quite frankly, 74 million Americans that still support President Trump. And you are in literally the one position in our conference where you have to get to build a consensus in order to move forward and win elections. The national media is always going to make this about whether it's a loyalty test to President Trump or not. And that's just there's simply a lot more to it than that.
0: All right. So. So. There's a lawsuit right now filed by some farmers up in the upper Midwest, uh, because they're looking for loan forgiveness from a recent um, COVID stimulus plan that Biden signed off on. And what's happening right now is there's no loan forgiveness for white farmers. Everybody else, yes, white farmers, no. So yesterday, Secretary of Ag, Tom Vilsack was at the White House press conference. A person asked him about this. I wanna share with you a little bit about- Clear
1: that white farmers did pretty well under that program because of the way it was structured. It's structured on size and structured on production. Uh, So I I think there is a a, a very legitimate reason for doing what we are doing. I think it has to be complemented with additional steps, which the American Rescue Plan provides, an equity commission to take a look at whether or not there are systemic barriers that need to be uh, removed uh, at the department, and and also uh, taking a look at how we might be able to create better technical assistance, better access to land, uh, better access to markets for socially disadvantaged producers and for local and regional uh, food production.
0: So Congressman, he's essentially defending uh, his authority to discriminate against white farmers. What say you? Well, first of all,
1: it's worse than that, Chris, because it's not just a loan repayment. It's 120 percent of the loan repayment. And it, it true. I mean, you ha- we have to acknowledge that particularly from US, historically some of these USD pro- programs in, in the Deep South and unfortunately not as far back as we would like actually did have some significant problems and there's actually i can't remember the name of the case but a case on that but the reality of this is and i'm scared we're doing equity hearings in climate we're doing equity hearings in agriculture and we there is no government program that should ever be run by the way and i think they're good they're going to have pretty good merits on their lawsuit because you cannot hear what you dream racial Racial inequities with different racial inequities, and it doesn't matter how that works. And we continue to go down this road. And I, I just, I get very concerned with the word equity, particularly how we use it in the political spectrum, because it just continues to move forward and move forward. And it's, it's equity. Equity is the least form in in the legal system. The least. uh, Preferred way in which we settle cases, we like monetary damages. We like that. They want to set up a. They want to set up a commission and look at historical disadvantages that happen and find out if there's policy reasons moving forward where we can do that. That's one thing. But to allow only certain groups of farmers, by made by the color of your skin, to get 120% loan repayment and have no other groups of farmers to be even be able to qualify for that is just simply bad policy
0: not only that but now we're spending federal tax money to you know fight against this lawsuit these farmers are going to be out money paying for attorneys it it just seems beyond ridiculous that we're going to allow any kind of discrimination I just can you can you dive into the term equity a little bit for our audience and help us understand what's going on here?
1: You know, we have equality. We have all these different things. I mean, we've seen these programs. Some of them have worked. Right. Like, I mean, and historically in college admissions and how we've dealt with college admissions and all of that. But I'm just saying we are we are apparently using this word and using this as a way to what I think is just to continue to divide the country and move it forward and move it forward. And we and like I said, we've had, I don't know how many hearings we've had in energy and commerce already about equity and, and climate crisis equity, climate change equity, all of these different things. And it's just simply, if we deal with it, we're one nation, we need to continue to work more so than most. I have talked, I mean, I spent 10 years as a criminal defense attorney. Do I think there are racial disparities in the criminal justice system? Yes, of course there are. We should work towards fixing those, but we should fix them in a way that makes the law colorblind again. And I think we're doing I so- we're doing ourselves a disservice moving the other way. Yes.
0: I'm going to go a little bit outside the norm here with you, Congressman, just because we're going down this conversation around equity and, and race and things of that nature. Um, but there's been a big conversation about systemic racism. Um, first off, can you define systemic racism for us? And secondly, do you think there is systemic racism in America today?
1: Uh, I don't think systems can be. First of all, I want to say this. Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to use it what I know the best, okay? And that'll be the criminal justice system. Okay, so systems can't be racist. Systems are bricks and computers and desks and structures. And you take the human element and the human failure out of that Racism racism is a human failure. It's a human emotion where one person looks down on another person because of the color of their skin or whatever it is. And that is a terrible, horrible thing. So, no, I don't believe in systemic racism and I don't know if we can really truly define it. What I will say is there are systemic racial disparities.
0: Thank you so much to Congressman Armstrong for his time and insight there. Of course, we'd love to know your points of view, and it's very easy to share those with us. You can email us, you can text us, you can leave us a voicemail because we're going to get to your points of view coming up right after this.